Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, kid. How you doing over there? Good. I like this episode. I did too. And honestly, something that I was thinking about is I feel like recently the last few There's just been, I know we talked about it last week. I think I equated it to kind of like last day of school energy, but even more than that, there's just this real chillness that I feel like is very kind of pervasive throughout the episodes. This episode was definitely very chill. I wish it was a little less chill. I would have wanted a little more. I thought it was very fun to watch. I don't know if there was a ton to go over and analyze, but from the scenes that we got, I really enjoyed the episode. Right. Like it's not the best one ever to recap, but I feel like we've spent so much time in the past of saying like, oh, this is such a convoluted storyline. It's so contrived. And in this one, they really were doing none of that bullshit. And at the very least, I can appreciate that. Yes, me too. So we start out at Kim's house, specifically in her bathroom, and you see Jonathan come in. And I feel like we definitely have discussed this at length, but that backdrop that she does and changes out in her bathroom is really spectacular. I respect Kim for so many things, but her bathroom being the focal point of her entire house is probably my favorite thing. Honestly, I think I really appreciate that because I feel like a bathroom is a place that you spend so much time in. I mean, you're showering there. You're brushing your teeth there. You're there constantly. She literally just sits and hangs out in there like it's her living room though. Wouldn't you? Uh, Duh. Also, it's so funny because everything is so neutral and kind of minimalistic that I really understand specifically with Kim why she utilizes flowers so much as kind of like a point of expression. Totally. So this is when she's kind of telling Jonathan about how there's a lot of different birthdays this month. And she's explaining how for her 40th, she's taking everybody to a private island, which I just want to start out by saying at the time that this happened, which was kind of like the height of COVID, and I know people were really upset about it, we definitely spoke at length on an episode all about like the COVID element of it all and how for your average person that wasn't relatable. So I feel like for this particular episode, we can kind of just do it at face value. We don't have to rehab that conversation, don't you think? Yeah, I so agree. So the first real scene, they're at Scott's house. It's Scott, Courtney, Chloe, and Kim. And they're just kind of going over the birthday schedule because Kim's 40, Kendall's 25, and Chris is 65. Kim's kind of talking about how she has this reputation for giving the most thoughtful gifts, but she's saying that nothing could top last year, which when they were showing the flashbacks of how she basically did that entire day 
almost paying homage to their childhood home. And even the invitations had the same design that the wallpaper in their kitchen in the house that they grew up with Robert Kardashian was. Like the attention to detail was just so magnificent. And so it's funny to kind of watch her pat herself on the back for the level of sentimental value that she provided last year. God damn, she's good at gifts. It must be very stressful to have to top yourself every single year because not only do you have to get a really good original gift, it also has to have like sentimental or emotional value to it. Well, it was funny when they're talking with Chloe because Chloe's saying like, here I am getting her, you know, whatever she was saying, socks, obviously it wasn't socks. She's like, and fucking Kylie's getting her a car. I know. Like that must be really honestly a not the <laughs> easiest spot to be in when everybody is just upping each other. It definitely is not. This scene, and I say this with no negative connotation, was the definition of rich people problems. Oh, yeah. Of course. (laughs) But I loved Kim's idea, the fact that she was doing 65 looks for Chris, because it takes you know, a certain type of relationship to understand the way that Chris is feeling about clothing and just her body changing. And I feel like it was such a thoughtful gift on Kim's part, because it's actually really useful for Chris. I thought it was truly an incredible gift. Well, something that I think about a lot is just in general, when you're in the public eye, like take the Kardashians out of it, even if you have a full stylist and a wardrobe team, it must be a little bit exhausting. The fact of like, whatever you wear out, not only your outfit, but also your body and how you look in it. And maybe if you look different, it's going to be criticized, which like, of course is the worst thing ever, but it just happens. And so to kind of be able to take the think work out of that and to already know that by having these looks, you have Kim's built-in approval because she literally styled them. <laughs> Must be kind of nice for Chris. Yeah, that's so true. That's such a good point. So next thing there at Courtney's house is Kim, Courtney, and Chloe. And this is when Kim kind of reveals that she didn't pass the baby bar, which I didn't know until this preview came out. Did you? I was shocked that she didn't. I was too. Why do you think? I don't know because I think I've been operating under the assumption that she had. I, I I don't know why. I guess she specifically didn't say anything about it, maybe because she was embarrassed about it or also she was waiting for it to be able to have the full episode around it, like the whole studying episode and the whole taking of the baby bar without the public knowing what is going to happen as a result and then revealing that in a later episode. But I think that I've been operating under the assumption this entire time that she had passed the baby bar. So I was so shocked to find out that she hadn't. She also was doing that Q&A on her story today while she was getting her nails done. And somebody asked if she passed it and she said, no, not yet, which obviously shows that she failed the one that she took in this episode, which clearly she had COVID. And then I guess she's taking it in June, which is this coming month. So we'll see soon. I think she's going to pass it this time. I do too. I mean, listen, I don't care who you are. I feel like anything regarding law school is just impossible. So I have a lot of respect for anybody that does it, but I feel like Kim holds herself to a really high standard. And so like, I guess the disappointment or the shame that she felt, even though it's not warranted is very present for her. Right. Of course. And then there's the element of, you know, you put enough on yourself and you put enough, you know, embarrassment or whatever you're feeling from just an internal place. But then you have this whole other element of it where she not only has to prove herself to herself or to her family or to her friends, like she is actively trying to prove herself as a lawyer to the entire world. So there's a huge embarrassment that just extends beyond being critical of your own abilities because you have a whole group of people and millions and millions of people that are just actively doubting you and you have so much more to prove because of that. Right. And I mean, I have full confidence that she will pass it eventually, but I guess for her sake, I was thinking like, 
that would have been the biggest fuck you to everybody that is so critical of her to pass it on the first time and to have that be filmed. So like you said, I'm sure that that is an element that weighs heavily on top of just anything that's going on in her own mind. Right, exactly. But she says, because she's on the FaceTime with Jessica, that she needed a 560, she got a 474. And you see she's kind of going through this internal monologue. Like you can look at her as she's talking to Jessica that her wheels are turning. And I thought it was really sweet when she's talking to Chloe and Courtney and Courtney says, I feel like dad would be really proud of you regardless, just the fact that you're pursuing this. Yeah, that was sweet because you hear her say to Jessica, she's like, I'm a failure. Like she was being very, very hard on herself and not just when she was talking to Jessica, but when she was talking to Chloe and Courtney and she's having this moment of like, can I even do this? And then being able to assure her like, even if you decide that you can't, like we and dad are so proud of you for even doing it in the first place. Right. Which is all you want to hear from the people closest to you. Absolutely. It sounds cliche, but I i mean, I don't know. I've never been in this situation, but I do think that that kind of unconditional support and just like being proud of you for existing and putting your hardest into it is something you do want to hear. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So next thing they're at Courtney's house. I don't know. I feel like I say this a lot, but I just want to appreciate the fact that it's not just Courtney's backyard that I like. I really enjoy her entire home that we've seen. I do love Courtney's house too. I feel very connected to all of their homes and I cannot wait to see Chloe and Chris's new ones because it feels like it's been a while since I've gotten a house tour. Right. Oh, I like we were saying this last week, a really good architectural digest, just full video. And we know how much Chris loves an arc digest shoot. So we'll definitely get one. And Chloe is the most open out of all of them. So we're going to see a lot there. Obviously the last person who's bought numerous homes is Kylie. And we get like zero to no content, even though she did the arc digest spread of the other house, but we haven't seen the Beverly Hills home or the other one that she bought. So it'll be very, very interesting to see what happens with Chris and Chloe's. Yeah. You know, it's funny because when I think of Chris and Architectural Digest, something we talk about a lot, whether it's with items or media or other celebrities, it's just how in general they are very jaded. And the reason I think I appreciate Chris's Arc Digest features is because you can tell she's really proud to be in it. Whereas like gracing the cover of Cosmo while a great publication is not doing it for her anymore. Whereas Arc Digest, I think she really feels like I put so much work into this home and that is what is being celebrated. Yeah. Maybe it's just me and my love of design and interior design specifically, but I personally don't find that a home being featured in Arc Digest ever gets old. Yeah. I mean, I personally feel the same way. Yeah. Anyway, they're sitting down. The house is decorated for Halloween. And this is when Courtney's talking about how for Kendall's birthday, she had gotten her that Hermes china. And when she called Hermes to see what else there was left to buy, they had said that Kendall returned it, which I know we find out later on wasn't a real plot point, but you could tell she was 100% being serious in this moment. Right. And it made so much sense once we saw what the China was and when they get into those scenes later that Courtney would have been not upset, just like ridiculously confused why Kendall would have returned that because it is so Kendall and it's Hermes China and it was gorgeous. So for Courtney to just be like, I don't understand what's going on, but I do find this hilarious made so much sense to me because it wasn't like she could even be offended by it because it was so ridiculous the thought of Kendall returning it in the first place. Right. I know. And then once you found out that they had horses on them, you were like, okay, something is off here. Right. Also, 
there was this moment I was having where I was like, why would you return it? Like you need Hermes store credit that badly. Like just keep it even if you don't like it. So the clarification there really made me feel so much better because there was a very long time of just confusion for me. Like as if she needed to return her Hermes China because she just needed something else at Hermes and couldn't have bought it herself. Right. Or that she wouldn't just give it away. Right. That's what I was thinking. I was like, first of all, we know that this family is famous for regifting. Don't you ever forget when Kendall got robbed the iPad and something else and he gifted it to Black China. Remember that? That was one of the crazier. I know it sounds like an exaggeration, but truly that was one of the crazier plot points. I actually think that Rob regifting an iPad was the single most relatable plot line on Keeping Up. Honestly, I'm going to throw it in top five. It has to be. <laughs> it is the most normal gift. And then the act of regifting a gift is just too normal. But the two of those things together were like, I felt like I was just watching America's most normal family in the world. Wait, and then on top of it, Kendall being pissed at him. Right. <laughs> like her finding out. <laughs> oh my God, that was so good. So next scene is Kim and Chloe. They're in the car and they're just kind of talking about the bar. And you see that something Kim has really relied on is just signs, which I know you probably thought it was off, but for me, I relate to this so heavily. I Was it from her dad or she was just saying signs in general? Um, I think she was just saying in general, but maybe specifically from her dad. Like they were, they as they were driving, like you'd see they would point and be like, oh, there's a quote on the side of the road. And Kim was like, oh, a stop sign. Like, I think she just was looking for anything in general that could guide her in a way that left it up to the universe instead of having to make her own decisions, which I understand. Like, I don't think the idea of looking for signs is so crazy because it takes a little bit of the responsibility off of you. Yeah. Well, I'm a huge believer in that. And she asked for them, which is the best way to get them, like to say it out loud. Right. But it was interesting because what she was saying to Chloe was that, you know, I feel like dad would tell me that it's such a stressful life to be an attorney. Like, I don't know if this is what you really want to do. And she says, we've had those conversations. I vividly remember talking to him about it. And Chloe responds to her, you know, that's crazy because you were so young. And Kim saying that, it happened when he was kind of helping her figure out where she wanted to go to college and what she wanted to do. And that Robert kept saying to her, you know, it'll just give you lots of wrinkles. And Chloe made a joke like, well, he knew your weaknesses back then. But I I knew this, but I just loved hearing her talk to Chloe about she had spoken about law school or the idea of being a lawyer to her dad, you know? Yeah, I remember her saying a lot that they had had conversations about law, but it to me, when Kim had always spoken about it, it came more from a place of like, I really admire my dad and his work and I really love it. Not as if it was something that she wanted to pursue when she was younger. So to find out that she was having actual conversations about it and like in terms of career planning and college planning rather than just like, oh, I'm going through all your old OJ stuff was really interesting for me to hear. Yes. That's the perfect way to put it. That kind of made it a little bit more clear for me. I thought it was a little bit more abstract than she was making it out to be. Yeah, definitely. It was also interesting when she was saying like from her dad's perspective, it was probably like, what's this girl that's so obsessed with makeup and being famous and whatever want to do with law school? Yeah. You know, it's so funny. Not that we ever need to be reminded of this, but out of all of them, even though I think now they would all say they're so glad to be famous because it's allowed them to have this life that they would have never had, even with the negativities that come with fame. Kim 
knew it from so early on. And I just think it's unbelievable the way that she stuck with it. You know, some people just wind up here. She did not wind up here. She had a one track mind and that was being famous. And the fact that she was having those conversations with her dad just shows how early on this was kind of embedded in her. Right. But you can also see the way that Kim comes up with a goal and just latches onto it, which is such an incredible quality to have because she said, okay, my goal is being famous. She did it. She said, my goal is being cover of Vogue, Met Gala. She did it. She did it. Like none of those things came easy. They came with a lot of hard work. So for her to then say like, okay, I've done all of those things. I'm going to do something just so out of the norm of what anybody would expect of me. And I want to go to law school. And she just stuck with it. Like it would have been so out of character for her. And I think she knew this all along for her to just say like, I'm going to give up and not take it because I didn't pass the bar. You know, it's funny because when you say that when she puts her mind to something, she does it. I think that that is one of the reasons that we kind of naively just assumed that she would pass. And I know that makes us sound really stupid because it's such a difficult exam that I'm sure requires so much work. And even the most intelligent people have a really, really hard time. Like I have so much respect for anyone, like I said, but it's almost not that I ever thought things came necessarily easy. I just had, okay, she wants to do it. She's going to do it. Again, naive mindset, but that just seems to be the course for life. So I wasn't used to it having more hurdles, I guess, is the best way that I can put it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like There are people you know, I think, where even though you have the knowledge that they are working very hard and it's not like they're just sitting around waiting for things to happen to them, they're also just the type of people where things do happen to them. Like it's a combination of their own work and their work ethic and the things they want and their drive, but also like the idea that luck just in general tends to be on their side. And to me, Kim is just the absolute definition of that. So you're right. That's probably why I just assume she would have passed. Right. And let's not forget, just because this is an element of this conversation that I feel like has to be brought up, the privilege element, which of course can't be ignored. You know, that's there. There's a difference between luck and privilege, but oftentimes the two can coexist. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I just want to make that point clear. But one other thing I wanted to mention about this is that I loved in Chloe's confessional, it was like the most casual confessional she's ever had when she was like, trust me, if she didn't want to do it, she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't be looking for a sign. She knows what to do. Try again. And if not, try for a fucking third time. Right. Which to me just shows that Chloe is fully aware of what's going to happen here. Like as much as Kim's talking about, do I, do I not? They all know damn well, she's not going to stop until she passes it. And they also know that if they try to pressure her one way or another, instead of just saying, you'll figure it out, you'll figure it out, they run the risk of either making things worse or pushing her in the wrong direction. Like Chloe very much knows exactly how to handle Kim. And I love that. Me too. By the way, I forgot to say this. You remember last week how actually it was you that was speculating as to whether or not that was the same joint confessional with Chloe and Tristan from last week? So many people responded to us and were like, yes, I was thinking the same thing. So I guess confirmed they really did reuse it. And somebody had inboxed us saying they thought that they had double used the Scott one as well when he says it's maybe the most important thing in my life. Yes, which somebody was saying like they were comparing what I said about last day of school energy and they were like, okay, that's true. But also this is just laziness. Like they said it in a joking tone, but I was like, you know what? You're right. (laughs) I was just about to say to you, nothing screens last day of school energy, like reusing two confessionals. No, but Julie, that's bold. Like, I'm sorry, that is bold. But then again, how many people really picked up on it? Yeah, I guess the people that listen to our podcast are not a good judge of that because they're already far more tuned into the show than like your average person who's just watching it while like doing dishes. 
Right. Like it definitely, and not that it necessarily would have been, but it wasn't like it was Twitter discourse where everyone was saying, oh, Kardashian's getting lazy, double using confessionals. Like, I don't know if that would have come up in conversation or that anybody other than us or people listening to this would have necessarily cared that they did that. But yeah, it's definitely a little bit lazy and major last day of school energy. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's my favorite saying. I think my entire life is last day of school energy, by the way. I love it. Last day of school was the best day of the year. Oh, remember when you were like walking around just trying to get all the signatures in your yearbook? Oh, I don't even want to know what your yearbook looks like. <laughs> what do you mean? I just know I would be jealous of what people wrote in your yearbook. <laughs> I know I'd be specifically jealous of what senior boys wrote in your yearbook. <laughs> I don't ever want to look at it. <laughs> It's so funny. Like, wait, I just have one more memory. And like, you you go and you get you like get around. Everybody's writing hags, and then after you sit down with your friends, and you're just like looking, and you realize that like somebody has a crush on your friend that you didn't know, and the guy was too shy. Like, I vividly remember reading one of my friends and being like, "Holy shit, he likes you! Like, he's liked you this whole year, and we never knew." And it was like sophomore year, and then junior year they started dating, and it all started based on what he wrote in her yearbook. And I was remember thinking like, this is a high school movie happening in real life. Mine were all teachers that signed it being like, you were the biggest disruption in my class has ever had. I cannot wait that you're graduating high school. Right now. <laughs> like, we had very different experiences. <laughs> well, no, the teacher one was on par. You know what happened to me. I know very well. Okay. <laughs> back, back to the episode, kid. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. So next scene, we're at Kim's house. It's Kim, Chloe, and Courtney. They're in Kim's gym. And she's kind of telling them about the gift for Chris and the mannequins and all that. And this was an interesting note that I see you wrote down as well. So you must have picked up on it when she's talking to them about how she was going to get the matching wigs for every look, but that it was just, quote, stupid spending money. And she'd rather put the money into the clothes, which the reason that I say that, and I don't know if your thinking was the same, is like, do you realize the depths that we have to go to find relatability here? Like already she's styling 65 looks that are worth, I don't even know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we are now relating to the fact that she didn't want to spend the money on the wigs. Exactly. Like it, part of it is the relatability 
relatability to an extent of it or searching for relatability or like cutbacks because you don't feel like spending money on certain things. Like I understand that element. To me, anytime they mention money as something that they need to be conscious of or control, it just, I get so taken back. In my mind, they view money as like monopoly money or like when you have Venmo money just sitting in and you don't transfer it to your account, so then it like becomes fake money. Like that's in my mind how they view all of their money. So when Kim is, especially Kim, like when Kim is sitting there being like, okay, the wigs are an unnecessary expense. Like I don't need to spend that much. I'd rather put X amount of money back into the clothes. I'm like, you have to pick and choose what money goes where. I thought it was all fake. Christmas party budget vibes. Yes. But like, yes, exactly. Like I can understand that because for Kim, it was like, okay, this is just one party. We don't need to put millions of dollars into a party. Like it was conceptual that like, like it just didn't make sense, not based on the amount of money that was being spent or that they would have to reallocate that money into different resources. Just like she couldn't conceptualize or rationalize spending that much money on a party. Here, right. when she was saying like, oh, I would rather put that money into the looks as if there wouldn't have been enough for the looks if she did the wigs too, was just like something I could not wrap my head around. And obviously that's not the case. She would have had the money for both. But for her to even say that as if it would have been a thing was like, crazy to me. <laughs> I know because we're so out of the realm of that's anything normal. And I, again, I always say when we're talking about this, I don't even put it in terms of like outside the realm of normalcy for your average person. Cause that ship has sailed a while ago. I'm talking about even with celebrities, you know, there are some celebrities we're talking like Drake and some others that do these really extravagant over the top displays. And a lot of the times publicly, but not every celebrity is spending 250 grand on a birthday gift for a family member. Like that's not something that always happens because the other thing that you have to remember, and I think about this a lot. I don't know if we've ever had this conversation is like the unique thing about the Kardashians. And we've definitely spoken about this, but just follow me for my point. They all individually have a lot of money. Some have more than others, right? Obviously for comparing it, like Kim, Kylie and Chris are at the top and maybe Rob is at the bottom, you know, Courtney and Chloe somewhere in the middle fine. But either way, they are all very, very wealthy. And so they can splurge on each other and have it be a very reciprocal thing. And so if you take your average celebrity that's worth a lot of money and does not have a famous or wealthy family, on one hand, your immediate reaction may think, well, they really want to splurge on that family member. Like It's kind of like you you see people buying their parents' homes or things like that, which I think is really respectable and happens all the time. At the same time, though, there's a certain level where it almost becomes awkward. And so you don't want to do these most extravagant gifts for your sister because then you're feeling as though they will never be able to reciprocate it in a way. So maybe it's something really nice, but a little bit more toned down. Because at a certain point, it would actually almost do the opposite and cross a line and just feel like tacky in a way. But they don't have that issue here because they can all reciprocate it. There's no such thing as spending too much on one person. Do you know what I mean by that? I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, to the point where with other celebrities, if they were buying for a sibling or a really close friend that wasn't famous or on that level, it creates a weird power imbalance of like, I can buy you all of these amazing things and never once will you be able to reciprocate that back to me on any sort of similar level, where in this case, they do not have to worry about that at all. I so, so, so get what you mean there. Right. It's like an interesting thing to think about that I don't know if I have before this moment. I do think the dynamics of like famous people with money versus their counterparts is a really interesting conversation. I actually didn't think about this until I was reading a quote and I don't remember where she said it, maybe in an interview or a podcast, but Mila Kunis was saying that 
anytime she goes out to dinner with her parents, her parents won't let her pay for dinner. Like there's this weird thing where like, because she is the child, even though she's famous and she has so much money and it's her and Ashton Kutcher's money, like when they go out to dinner, her dad will not let her pick up the check no matter what. That is so interesting. I've never read that. I don't remember where I saw it, but I saw it recently and I was like, that is so interesting. That is such a parent thing. You know, something else that we forgot to say, not that it was like really worth talking about because it was so visual and it's hard to talk about it on a podcast, but I wanted to mention on Monday's episode, her and Ashton's house, because typically I'm like not a farmhouse style person, but I loved their home. I thought it was so spectacular. I love their home. I'm so happy you brought that up. Yes, I was obsessed. Right. And not that's like not something we would typically like, I feel like. Um, my taste goes back and forth with those, but in their case, when you do it right, you can do it so, so right. And they did it so right. Oh yeah. <laughs> We're all over the place today. I know. <laughs> A lot of chaotic <laughs> energy in this episode. It's okay. I like it. I do too. So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her, but I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, and it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So next scene, we're at Kendall's house, speaking of Architectural Digest, and <laughs> Courtney's there. She kind of walks in, and this is when she's hoping to expose Kendall for returning the Hermes China and she realizes she has it all there. We find out it's a miscommunication and she was just returning things that were duplicates. But I just thought it was so funny because I really think this whole thing was genuine. I do too. And as soon as I saw those horses, I was like, what the fuck? Like in the first thing, when she first gifts it to her and Kendall's like, oh my God, I love this so much. And I'm like, wow, like she really does seem to like it. Like she's not acting surprised or caught off guard by her giving her a set of gifts that she's already returned. And like there are horses on it. It's so unbelievably her and gorgeous. Like I can't believe that she's not through the moon about this and that she would actually return this. So that whole misunderstanding and miscommunication between the two of them, I just thought was so unbelievably funny because for us, like as the viewer required the knowledge of knowing that like, this is something that Kendall never would have returned in the first place. Right, right. If you don't really know them, you wouldn't get that. I thought the scene was, I mean, I don't know if it was a hundred percent genuine. I can't say there wasn't anything to it, but anytime I get to see the dynamic between Kendall and Courtney, I am ecstatic. Well, because that's been like a plot point of previous episodes. Yes. And because there was, I love talking about this because there was an episode a while ago where I think they were all talking about how 
Courtney and Kendall don't really have a ton in common and they weren't super close. Now they're closer because they're friends. Like they have mutual friends with each other and Courtney became friends with Kendall's friends, which was obviously an issue at first. And I think it's interesting the way that that actually ended up bringing them closer together despite the huge age difference. Yeah. Well, just in general, I mean, Courtney's entire friend group is is younger. Right. Wait, also another thing from Kim's Q&A, which like we'll probably mention on next week's episode, but I don't want to wait till Monday. When somebody asked, did you ever hook up with Travis? And she was like, no, that's a false narrative. Like we've been friends forever and I'm really happy for him in court. So interesting. I had a feeling they hadn't hooked up. Yeah, but I just didn't think that she would address it. Oh, I didn't either. But sometimes they surprise me. I guess they want to clear the air around like the sibling rather than just clearing the air around themselves or when they know their truth is kind of the, the right thing, quote unquote, they're happy to do that. Yeah, makes sense. Anyway, so now we're at Kim's birthday destination and she self-shot footage and they're kind of just showing a little bit of footage. Nothing that we really didn't see in her vlog, I feel like. Yeah, I would think it was all, I mean, nothing overly crazy that we didn't get. Either way, it was the same basic content of just like us on our boating trips, us in the water, us jet skiing, us swimming with whales, like nothing too crazy, but obviously it was so gorgeous and fun to see. And this is when she says, you know, Kanye's not here yet, but Allison tells me that his birthday present is all set up in a room and I have to go in there and see it. And, you know, obviously it was that Robert Kardashian hologram and when the lights turn on and you just see her so emotional. I I think I remember saying this at the time because I know a lot of people had really like harsh feelings about this. And I remember us saying like, if this makes her feel better and in a moment makes her feel connected with her dead father, like so who gives a shit? The only part of it that I thought was really off-putting, but we didn't see it in this episode was when Kanye included in the script a part about like praising him. I guess it was kind of joking, but I remember at the time, that's the only thing that I thought was kind of weird. But I don't know how you could watch this and see Kim's emotion. And even if you think the act is weird, not feel so happy for her. Yeah, it was so emotional. Also, I have to say the context of knowing that she had failed the baby bar prior to this and not knowing what she was going to do added a lot to the sentimental value of having this because I don't know if Kim took it as the sign that she needed or Kanye did that very purposely to, you know, give her that. But I do think it added an extra element that we didn't know. It was obviously always sentimental and beautiful, especially in her own eyes, because she appreciated that and it didn't matter what anybody else thought. But that added element does add a different layer to it, I think. Yeah, I was wondering if Kanye did it knowing the law school thing, because I don't know if he would have had the time to. You know, this must have been kind of a production either way. Like, I think the message would have stood the same way, whether or not he did it before or after. It was actually more powerful since she failed. But I'm saying, like, it wouldn't have been weird if he did the same thing and she had passed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, so next scene, we're at Kim's house. They're setting up all the mannequins for Chris's gift. And this is when we see Kanye. I My jaw dropped. I feel like we haven't seen him on the show in not even just this season, last season too, except for in the very beginning episodes. I don't know if this is like rooted in just nothing, but for some reason in my mind, I thought that even if he had been in the episodes, they would have cut him out like by his request. (laughs) And so I know it was literally probably a minute total of seeing him, but I was just really surprised and honestly, pleasantly surprised. 
Yeah, it just it seemed so normal him being there, like exactly him being there, doing exactly what he does, rearranging all of the mannequins, making sure everything's perfect for when Chris comes through using his eye, him being appreciative of that fact. Like for a moment there, I forgot that there was anything wrong between them. Yeah, because they seemed pretty like a cohesive. And she made a comment like, well, that's how the Wests do it, which I know is so you know stupid in, in the scheme of things, but I've removed the West from her name in my own mind. So to hear her say it, I was like, oh shit, right. Anytime Kanye is mentioned now, even if it's just not a scene of him, it's just a mention of his name. To me, it is just the most interesting aspect of the season because so much of what the whole family has gone through and the different elements and the different crazy things and the relationship drama, like all of that does eventually get explained. Kim and Kanye are the one element of it that, even though they'll mention it sometimes, even though we got that episode in the very beginning of this season where they were, you know, discussing him being in Wyoming and Kim was having a really difficult time, it's still the huge question mark that's never going to get a full answer. No, and I, I honestly think, like, never. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know we saw in the preview for next week, it's discussed a little bit more and you see Kim kind of upset and Chloe comforting her and telling her that she can speak to her and Kim saying, you know, it is, it's just whatever. I still don't think that that's something that we're going to get an answer to. I just think it's going to be very briefly discussed as it always is, but there's no insight. Whereas with Chloe and Tristan, we got so much insight, especially this time around. With Scott and Courtney, we've gotten so much already. And I'm sure that if they were filming, we would get more of the Courtney and Travis element of it just to give us those answers. Kim and Kanye are answers that I don't think we're ever fully going to get, even in the new Hulu show. No, because everybody that you've mentioned so far, like Scott, Courtney, Chloe, and Tristan are all willing participants of the show. And Kanye, even if he wasn't Kanye West, like he's just not a willing participant. And so out of respect for him, Kim won't do it. Yeah. I also think it has a lot to do with just the way Kim is in general. I think Kim is less likely to talk about things and she is the very much perceives herself as the leader of the group. Obviously, Chris is the matriarch of the family. Chris is the momager. But for Kim, she sees herself as the leader. And I think for her, that means like everyone else's problems get to come across on camera. And she just gets to be the person that doesn't really talk about things and picks and chooses what she feels comfortable really divulging that still makes her come across as like the one that always has her shit together. That's interesting. I don't, I'm trying to think if I agree with that. I think I definitely agree with the point about her kind of like picking and choosing, but I guess I do find her to be really open. But yeah, that's an interesting point. Kim is open, but she's not emotional. She just very rarely talks about like the way she's feeling. She'll talk about events, she'll talk about things that have happened. But it's very rare that she'll be like, here are my exact emotions and feelings on the subject and my raw in-time reactions to those things. Like anytime she's been dealing with the Kanye stuff, like you'll see her deal with it, but then she'll walk off. So like you'll get tiny bits of it. You'll get a little bit of a conversation from just her end on the phone or her trying to deal with the logistics of going to Wyoming. I don't think it as much has to do with the privacy of Kanye because I think also Kim was at the point doing these episodes where it's like, if she was going to talk about it and she wanted to, he had said enough stuff about her and he had spilt enough things online and about her family and about them that if she was like, 
somebody who really wanted to do it, I don't think out of respect for him would have stopped her in this situation because, you know, that that had already passed. Well, but let me ask you something. If, because I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm just trying to think back for a second. If we look at Chris Humphreys, for example, do you feel that she was more open with that one? So I think she was open in the sense of she it's interesting because I always perceive that as her kind of doing it in a way that avoids the embarrassment because had she shot it in a way where it was just like I'm just unhappy and I'm like ending this after 72 days it would have been a really hard thing for the audience to even understand so I think her emotions in that situation were far more about understanding her decision rather than emoting her feelings. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I, You know what? I want to go back to those episodes and watch them because I don't have the clearest memory if I'm being totally honest. Because even when she's upset, it's like she's upset at her decision. She's upset at how quickly they moved forward. It's not as much where like he was very clearly not right to her and not treating her well. And what she was talking about was just like, I'm not happy and I don't want to be in this situation. Not like I'm not happy because he makes me feel this way. Right. Well, yeah, because she has such a logical side to her, like such a logical side, an overwhelmingly logical side. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for her, she lets that logical side dictate her emotions. And I don't think that's a negative thing. But I think that even as she's especially gotten older and has kids, that logical side keeps coming out and coming out and coming out. Right. And I think probably a huge thing that I pick up on about Kim is that she doesn't really wallow in things. You know, she's kind of of the belief of like, once I make the decision, I make the decision. You know, she's not one to really want to sit there. And I don't know. I think that she can be quick in terms of once her decision is made, she is not going to then let so many emotions seep out after the fact. I think she views it actually as like, this is a really weird word to describe emotions, but I think she views it as inefficient. Like I, I guess in my mind, she's such a fan of optimization and like efficiency that I literally think she views that as like actually taking up valuable time, which is something that she has so little of. Just so you know, you never have to justify calling emotions inefficient to me. I know, but it's like the opposite of everything that I feel. <laughs> it is exactly the perfect way to describe everything. I know. It's just so far into like everything I believe. I know, but you get it now, kind of. Like I you can understand that thought process. I know. Of course I understand it. I just don't like agree with it in my own life, but I don't have to. It's not my life. Right. Of course. Yeah. Wow. We're really getting to the bottom of things. I think so. Wow. I don't even know if we're right. Sometimes I'll say things. This happens a lot where like I'll go on this rant about the podcast and think I'm so right about like what Kim is. And then people will send all these examples of being like, well, they've done this, this, this. this." I'm like, okay, well, in the moment I thought I was 100% right about that. But that's okay. I was, I I saw a quote today. I don't know where it was from. It was like a tweet that said something. It's basically talking about like changing your mind. Like anybody who thinks that changing your mind is a bad thing is like so off. And I so agree with that, right? Like that's the beauty of evolving. Just admitting that like, actually I got that one wrong. And here's my new take now that I have gathered more information. I think that's fine. Normalize changing your opinion when you learn new information. Yeah. I fucking love that quote. Yep. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. 
So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. So now let us go to Caitlin's house, which was very short-lived, but very out of left field. Yeah, but I really appreciated that. And I could tell that Caitlin was super appreciative of them all being there. Yes. And I'm going to go a step further. And this is not said in like a bad way. Also of them filming it. I was just going to say that too, but then I wasn't 100% sure if it was self-shot footage. Well, but either way, them doing it in a way that was going to then be on the show. Like- to me, I just think that it was, it, I don't know, saying that Caitlin would be happy about that makes it sound like she's really fame hungry. That's not at all what I mean. I just think that putting somebody on the show is clearly an acknowledgement of where your relationship stands with that person. And so I'm sure to Caitlin that that was a really happy moment. Yeah, it was a level of approval, I think. Right, exactly, which everybody is seeking. I mean, we're all seeking approval on some level. <laughs> yeah. Did I just get deep? We keep like doing this, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we are all seeking approval. <laughs> okay, so next scene, this is when we're at Kim's house. I know I condensed this scene earlier when I was just explaining Kanye, I think, but to watch Chris come in and just genuinely be overtaken by emotions was really special. I loved this scene. I loved every single look that was put together. I loved the way that it was set up. I to watch Chris come in and have that reaction and those emotions was just absolutely beautiful. And the other thing that I really feel about this scene is it goes back to what we were talking about before with Chris, like, you know, how she had voiced to Kim that her body is changing. And at times she's feeling, you know, a little lack of confidence, which of course we look at her and we're like, you are such a beautiful, stunning, like striking woman. But I think that's why it hit so deep. You know, it wasn't just the gesture. It wasn't just the clothing, clearly. It was the fact that one, Kim took so much time to style it. But second of all, the root of Kim doing this was to restore Chris's confidence. And as Kim said, like, that's the most important thing. So I just think the message hit her really deeply. Oh, absolutely. I so agree. So next scene, this is when we find out that Saint has COVID. Kim's getting really sick. We end up finding out that she had COVID. Her whole family had COVID. They basically shut down production for two weeks because of her family's COVID. But to watch her studying for the test and Saint is crying and she's on the Zoom with the lawyer and her stomach is hurting, I was just like, oh, fuck, this is sucks. (laughs) I could not believe that she was doing that. I was watching her in physical pain at the thought of having to do 
anything being as sick as she was, let alone take the baby bar. I know. Like, that's my worst nightmare, I think. I think that's everyone's worst nightmare. I was wondering if she had childcare that week or those two weeks, which I know may sound like a really stupid question, but if her nanny had gotten COVID because the rest of them got COVID, then I imagine I would imagine they were all quarantining together. But if her nanny for some reason wasn't there or didn't catch it, she's not going to come in and then just be exposed. So she didn't mention that, but I was just wondering what the case was. Yeah. Also, even if the nanny did get it and was just too sick to come in, I don't know. But I, I do think that she said that she had no one with her. Like she had to take care of the two older ones on her own, St. and North, and maybe the younger ones were with Kanye because Kanye had already had COVID. So maybe he didn't get it and he was elsewhere. I don't know the logistics there, but I do believe she said something along the lines of like, I don't have anybody to help me here. Yeah. Oh, and Saint's crying and the lawyer's trying to comfort him. I was just like, fuck. I felt just so bad. So then last scene, we kind of just see her taking the baby bar and she says in it that she'll find out in two months. We now know based on her AMA that she did today that she didn't pass that one either. But like like we said earlier, the most understandable thing ever. I just don't see a world in which you pass that while having COVID and also taking care of your kids. No, I I do not either. But I have so much respect for her even attempting that in the first place. And I really have full faith that she is going to pass in June. I also just want to say that I know she took it in those Skims pajamas and she's like kind of superstitious. But honestly, if I had any major tasks to do, I would do it in those exact same pajamas because I say it all the time. Obviously, this is not paid. I wish it was. They're the best pajamas I've ever worn, ever. Like they I are, understand. I always keep meaning to order and then I always forget to actually go do it. The thing is they're expensive. Like, I mean, as far as pajamas go, I mean, I am a believer that that's one thing like worth spending money on because you're literally sleeping in them or being in them a lot at the time. But I don't know. I just love them. Undergarments are so important. Like I don't want to wear uncomfortable underwear. No, I don't even want to wear underwear. Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that one, you know? I, uh, you and I are bras and underwear switched. I never wear underwear. And I never wear bras. I, I think wear- you should go neither. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, it's not, I don't wear underwear every day. I don't think you should wear underwear any day, except if you're wearing jeans. Yeah. Dress, I guess. Yeah. That's actually, that's honestly, yeah. I'm trying to think. I mean, I haven't worn a bra since I think 2012. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I that's when I graduated high school. That is pretty nuts. You've had one on, but not you haven't consistently. Maybe for one event for a few hours tops. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't we know. We're all over the place today. Wait, I had I just had so much fun. I did too. Like this was really a fun episode. I had the time of my life, obviously. <laughs> Me too. Okay, well, few things. First of all, obviously, thank you guys for listening. We love you. Second, Isabel and I will see you tomorrow for Bravo. Third, just as a reminder, um, our producer is off this coming Monday for Memorial Day, so our episode will go up on Tuesday. That's not going to be a forever thing. I know I was asking on Monday's episode or on Tuesday's episode what the deal is, and we can talk about the feedback next week, but just nobody freak out like there's a permanent change. It's just because our producer is off Memorial Day. And then lastly, I just want to say, don't forget to look in the description for the three AAPI-owned businesses. We actually got sent two really good suggestions, so I'm going to add those. And I think that's it. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you.